You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. And now, here's Pastor Scott. Hey, good afternoon. Pastor Scott Show. Great to be with you today on this fine second week First full week of November, 888-528-2557 is the number, 888-528-2557. I hope you had a good weekend, and uh, lots going on this weekend, of course, in the news. And uh, we'll get some of that today on the program. We can always have you join our conversation at 888-528-2557. You know, one of the things going on, obviously, the war is going on in Israel, and we have a lot of division here at home. There was protests and lots of things going on this weekend, including uh, vandalism from protesters and uh, lots of scary things happening in our country. I want to talk about division and division that we that really isn't new. I think some of it that we're seeing is just more open right now. Uh, the reason that division is something that is frightening is because division is something that you get when there is no clarity. In some cases, it's because you don't have moral clarity. Other times, it's it's because you don't have a clarity of vision. Maybe your company is divided about something or your church is divided about something. Often the things that divide us are either because there is no clarity coming from leadership or because there is uh, a um, a divisive group of people who are trying to tear things apart for their own benefit for whatever agenda they might have. And that can be true even in a family. It can be true in a company. It can be true in a neighborhood, a church, a business, and it's definitely true in the country. And division is what you ultimately have when there's no moral clarity, and it's bad because if you don't have moral clarity, then especially in times like this, then you're not going to know what side to be on, and you're going to make decisions that are more about compromise, and then what happens is you either compromise with evil or you make a decision that everybody knows is the wrong decision, but the the purpose of the decision is to get everybody to shut up rather than to get everybody on the right page. And what I would ask you to do is be in leadership for our country at this uh, this stage. And, you know, when you're seeing division, and maybe you're seeing it on, uh, you're seeing a lot of it on the left today. I think it's, um, you know, kind of if you're on the left side of things, or if you're a Democrat, uh, you're seeing a lot in your party. Republicans have plenty of their own division that they're dealing with. Also, most of the news right now is there, be careful not to cheer too much about the other side tearing itself apart. And the reason why is because we still only have one country, and whoever is in leadership, they still need to make the best decisions possible, even if it's not the person you would like to be in leadership. And the reason that Lincoln would say in 1858 in a debate in his House Divided speech is what it's called, a house divided against itself cannot stand, he said, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. He was right about that. And what was interesting at the time in 1858 is that a lot of people thought, nah, he's wrong about that. A lot of people said, no, we've been divided ever since our founding on the subject, and uh, we can go on keeping being divided. Well, it only took uh, a couple of years for that to obviously not be the truth. And moving forward in our country today, we cannot maintain this level of division, particularly on moral issues, particularly when it comes to terrorism or when it be when it comes to anything that is based in truth, based in life and death, big decisions. We can disagree. There's a difference between disagreement and division, all right? 
disagreement means that ultimately you express your disagreement, but then you fall in line behind the people who are in charge, who have been given the authority to lead. And they might be wrong, and you might have been right ultimately. And what that does for you, though, in a the course of a more healthy relationship, a more healthy situation, is it means you're going to be listened to more the next time. You know, as my time as a pastor, you know, there were certain people who were in, and this is true in any church, okay, this is true anywhere else. There are people who are divisive because they're trying to divide because they've got some agenda. But then there are people who just disagree. And there's a difference. And sometimes the people who are the disagreeers are called divisive by the people they disagree with. That's not always the case. In fact, uh, I've had some people, there was a couple that they often, I would say, disagreed with me. I wouldn't say often, but there were many disagreements, I would say. And they were the greatest disagreeers ever because they would have me over to their house to, and they would feed me a meal and we would have a lot of good chit chat about family and other things. And then they would spend an hour telling me why I'm an idiot and why I do it. They never called me an idiot. They would tell me all the things they thought I was doing wrong. And uh, sometimes they were correct. Sometimes they were not. But the great thing about this couple was that at the end of all of that discussion, we would pray. They would say, you're the pastor. And uh, we wanted to express our thoughts, but we're glad you're the pastor and we're following you. And, and, you know, later on when they were right, it meant that I'm going to come talk to them more often than I did before because I want their input on things they were right about. Things that they're wrong about, well, they would say, hey, you know what, I was wrong about this. And that is something that, that's not division. That's just disagreement. And that is something that matters a lot. You cannot, you get division when you don't have truth. You get division when people who have a different agenda are not interested in what is actually true. See, that couple was always interested in true, in what is true. They were always interested, and they would reflect on results of programs we did or things that we would decide, and they would reflect on what actually occurred and things that were actually said and those kinds of things. That is good when that happens. That's how even even governments like ours where you have Republicans and Democrats fiercely opposed to each other so often, um, there have been times when we have not been at all, we weren't divided even though we had disagreements. In fact, if you look at periods of time where we had a lot of unity, like right after 9-11, we had a lot of unity after that. Not everybody voted for or agreed with everything George Bush was doing at the end of that, but or at the beginning of that period of time. But we had a lot of unity. We said, you know what? He's the president. And people got, uh, you know, people understood that. Back in World War II, when that was going on, there was a lot of people who didn't like Roosevelt. He didn't win every state. He didn't win by uh, tremendous margins, especially in the last time. And, you know, not everybody agreed, but everybody understood who the leaders are and things. And, the, and people wanted truth. People wanted to know what really happened. Sometimes you don't always know, but that is really a big key. One of the things that is happening here is uh, Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib, who has been speaking out in favor of – she has been speaking out uh, on behalf of the Palestinian people, she says, but in so many ways she has been speaking out on behalf of Hamas is the accusation that has been made. And I think that's probably correct. And one of the evidences for that is she tweeted out – You've been hearing this this chant from the river to the seas, Palestine will be free. 
if you have been following that, what that means is it's to eliminate Israel, that it's not about the freedom of people living in Gaza or people who are living in occupied West Bank or anything like that. It is a statement that is made to say, we don't agree that Israel has a right to exist, that Jewish people should not have a homeland. It's an anti-Semitic trope. And not everybody who's saying it uh, at first maybe understood that, but everybody I think understands that now, a month into this war. She tried to rephrase it this weekend, and she said, from the river to the sea is an aspirational call for freedom, human rights, and peaceful coexistence, not death, destruction, or hate. My work and advocacy is always centered on justice and dignity for all people, no matter the faith or ethnicity. Uh, Everybody disagrees with her on the right and left about that definition. That is not what that means. And when you do that, you are further dividing. And she has come out against uh, her own party in so many ways. Listen to, uh, this is part of an ad that she put out, um, a television ad uh, about what's going on in all these protests. We stand, we stand with Israel. Here you have, uh, it be, that's just the beginning of it, but I want to explain what the pictures are of it, and you can't obviously see all of that on, on radio. You might be able to if you were watching KKLA.com sometimes, if you watch us there. Um, that was President Biden, of course, and she's attacking Joe Biden. She's attacking Joe Biden because he, to this point, has stood with Israel. And it's a fierce attack. And then what you see are pictures of these protests happening in many states, including right here in Southern California. And then you're going to hear the chants. And then she politically, it's a political threat to Joe Biden, her own president, right? It's in her own party. Mr. President, the American people are not with you on this one. Innocent civilians are going to be hurt going forward. I wish I could tell you something different. I wish that that wasn't going to happen, but it it is going to happen. I want to thank President Biden for his unequivocal support. remember in 2024. It's a very divisive ad. And the fact is, is that actually most Americans are with the president so far on this. Most Republicans and Democrats actually agree, you know, in the big picture anyway, that this was a terrorist attack, that Israel has a right to defend itself and that uh, war is something that's going to happen. You would not have said, as many people have pointed out, you would not have said, you know, if the if the emperor of Japan would have said after Pearl Harbor on December 8th, we should have a ceasefire. Well, obviously, the United States isn't going to do that. No country would do that. But what I'm getting at here is not just the disagreement, but how it is divisive against even her own side, that this is something that is meant to threaten, meant to um, win people over who are who would rather not have the divisiveness because it's uncomfortable, right? It's, it's very uncomfortable when people disagree with you. It's very uncomfortable when there is this kind of tension and when you see, you know, these kinds of protests. And these protests are scary. They're violent. They are – the things that are chanted are uh, shocking in their nature. Here's some of one of these speeches. This happened in Washington, D.C. this weekend. It is right to rebel. 
Israel can go to hell. First thing I want to get into here is that Palestinians are showing us what decolonization really looks like. Oppressed people fight tooth and nail for their freedom. So he's talking about they're showing what pal- what decolonization really looks like. That is what our young people have been educated to believe. Decolonization is the idea of fighting back against whoever has you know, colonized your land, even though most of the world has been colonized by somebody at some point. That's, that is how everything has worked, and it's not true in this period of time, in this period of the world geographically. Another story, but none of this is true. But what is being said here? is not defending the idea of people to defend their land, which is what he's saying about the, the um, he says the Palestinians, but what he's doing is supporting Hamas. And you're going to hear what he says here, that the decolonization argument is to say that through any means necessary, you can throw off those people who you believe are oppressing you, or maybe they are oppressing you, or whatever it is you believe, through any means necessary. And he's going to say that. Palestinians have a right to rebel. What that means is they have a right to fight to free their land from the river to the sea by any means necessary. And I do mean any means necessary. So raping women and burning and decapitating babies or murdering babies, there's a whole stupid argument about about these babies and whether or not they were actually decapitated or not. But uh, what everybody agrees about is their heads were not attached to their bodies. But whether or not that's decapitation, I know that's gross, but that's, that is the level of stupidity that we are at. And this is what division does. This is what actually happens with division is that it leads you to a world of, of stupidity. This is not just disagreeing with policies of the president. This is not disagreeing with policies of Israel or anything else. This is about something else. And I think we know that pretty well. And it leads to ruin. And this is the area where we need to pray. By the way, this is the Pastor Scott Show. You can join the conversation by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, and it's Jesus would describe this division. And Lincoln, by the way, stole the idea of a house divided against itself cannot stand. He got that from Jesus. And this is the quote from Matthew twelve twenty five. It says, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, he's speaking to uh, the Pharisees, and Jesus cast a demon out of somebody, and they said to him, well, you must be working for the devil in order to cast a demon out. And Jesus says, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. The context there is Jesus is saying, that doesn't make any sense. If you're saying, I'm casting the devil out, then therefore I'm the devil, the devil doesn't cast the devil out. In fact, if that were happening, that's the end of it, right? That's the, that would, it doesn't make any sense. And it doesn't make sense. So when Lincoln said, a house divided against itself cannot stand, I believe this government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. He was right. And see, the slavery argument is not an argument about policy, was it? I mean, for many years, people tried to make it an article about pol- uh, an argument about policy. In fact, uh, some of the presidents in the mid 1800s, the reason that we don't think much of them today is not just because they might have been supportive of slavery or because they were maybe slaveholders themselves, but because they also believed this was a matter of policy and not morality. When the fact of the matter is, this was an issue of moral clarity. Slavery was not just about policy. The reason that the government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free because slavery was evil because it and they went to war because slavery was evil 
and 600,000 Americans died in that war because slavery was evil. See, you end up fighting a war when there is a serious moral question, and that is what happened in the Civil War. That's what happens here, is that there is a an evil that is going on with Hamas, that when you read that those people do, they're evil to the Palestinians, they're evil to their Jewish neighbors, they're evil to everybody. When you even study the history of this, there's a reason that uh, the other countries don't want the refugees coming because they don't want Hamas. They don't want the philosophy because it destabilizes and divides their own countries where they're fighting hard to keep the peace as much as they can in Jordan and Egypt and even Lebanon and other countries, Syria. That's in Syria is, is war-torn and divided in a major way because of this. See, when you are looking at division and not just disagreement, the reason that you end up with division is because somebody is standing on a moral side that they cannot maintain. That's what I'm going to argue, that somebody is, is standing on a moral side Uh, making a moral statement about something that cannot be maintained because it's an immoral, or somebody is trying to justify immoral behavior, such as any means necessary. It is wrong. And we, looking at what we're looking at in our country today, where there is division between right and left, but there's division on the left, there's some division on the right, and there's some division in other places, there's even division uh, in so many different ways, Often that comes down to somebody is making a moral judgment about the condition of human beings. You know, is there going to be division about, you know, whether or not a man uh, can become a woman? Is there such a thing as a woman? You know, the reason that we're going to get divided and the reason that that language is hostile, the reason that we see so much of that is because one of those positions is not moral. It's not just a, a difference of opinion on a policy. It's about what is actual, what is actual moral, how, how you maintain a society and civilization. There are certain things that have to be maintained or there is no society and, uh, and a nation. 888-528-2557. Let me get to your phone calls here. Don in L.A., welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Yes, Scott. Uh, you know, I just wanted to step back here and just say that uh, the reason that evangelicals feel so obligated to give a blank check to Israel because of those prophecies in Jeremiah and well, elsewhere well, regarding it. Well, the, right now, most people, on the, most people in the country, including people who definitely are not evangelicals, are also on that Scott, same page. Scott, let's, uh, let's, I'm just trying to give you a biblical perspective here. The Bible foretold the coming of the people back to the land again. We don't finish what he said. He's going to cause them to come out into the wilderness of the people and plead with them like he did their ancestors coming out of Egypt. He's going to put them under the rod. He's going to purge the rebels out from their midst. The, the, the Jewish people, when they, when they left, they lost their land to the Romans. The Pharisees and the rabbis told the people that the reason that happened is because they didn't listen to the Pharisees enough. We Christians believe that the reason they lost the land, the temple, is because they rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. And we are the true Zion of God, according to the Bible. The, the, the Jews coming back to the land are operating under false Zionism. That gives them a sense you know, there's, of entitlement there's, to just... There's a, lot of dif- there's a lot of difference about that, and it depends on what you mean by Zionism. Zionism just simply means that Jewish people think they should have a Jewish state. 
That's all it means. No, it, that's one level of it. There's three levels actually. Yeah. See, the second I, level is the second level is extending the borders to that promise in Genesis 15 that God gave to Abraham that was fulfilled in David and Solomon's time. That will be fulfilled by Jesus Christ when he comes back. That's what we're supposed to be championing, is that Christ has the entitlement to the Holy Land, not any particular people. Yeah, I, I, I agree that Christ has, I God. agree, hold on, I agree that Christ has that entitlement to the Holy Land. I agree with all of that. I'm not sure why you think this is, that when it comes to the secular policy here of, of money, that it's just evangelicals when it's clearly not. Well, you're talking on a very low level. I'm talking about the big picture here regarding um, the, the basic approach we have toward this whole thing is very political, very physical. So, what should carnal, what role should Christians have when it comes to the secular Jesus, state of Israel and the terrorist attack from Gaza and Hamas? Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ told us in the Sermon on the Mount. We are to be peacemakers. Blessed are the peacemakers. They should be called the children of so God. So we should do what we then be, with respect to this? We we, how, do we, how do we do that? What does that mean? Most Democratic presidents have tried to position the United States as an honest broker between two warring peoples over the promised land, neither of which has a real claim on the land. Yeah, see, I don't agree we, with that. I think that, that most of that land, the, the Jews have a, have a claim to it, and they certainly have a legal claim to it. I got to go to a break. Don, I know there's a lot of complicated things here, but I'll tell you what. Most presidents, both parties, try to resolve this problem, and they try to do it for many years with a two-state solution. Hamas, those particular groups, they reject the two-state solution openly. They are not for peace. And I get the the statement about being peace, and I, I don't think we should be saying, hey, let's have war here for the sake of having a war. But the answer here to peace is that Hamas surrenders, they release their hostages, they release their authority on the Palestinian people in Gaza. That's how you get peace. Uh, That's the first step to peace. The idea that Israel should just do nothing or that other nations shouldn't support the only democracy in the region is, it just doesn't seem to me that that leads to peace. What we have seen historically is that it does not. Peace is a difficult business. I got to take a break. 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. We'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now back to the show. On Saturday, we were woken up with sirens um, and people banging on our doors. So grateful and just so relieved that she's home. We were more frantic sometimes than they were. The emotional toll becoming apparent. I'm just so sad for Israel right now. I'm so sad for this situation here. I've already, like, faced hate from home. My friends are standing up for me and standing up for Israel. What Hamas is doing is awful, and it needs to be stopped. Those are high schoolers who have returned to the United States after being stranded in Israel. Uh, They're over there for study abroad programs. Can you imagine you're somewhere uh, doing that, and then suddenly the nation is at war, and uh, airports closed, it's hard to get out. And uh, so they are coming home, and that is good. Some hostages have been released here and there. Some 
people getting out um, and different things. But it's a terrible situation there. It's going to get worse uh, as far as the violence goes. This is the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Before the break, uh, one of our callers, Don, was talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus said, blessed Blessed are or blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. You know, that is quoted a lot here from you know, probably different angles of people. You know, I'm wondering what you think that means when it comes to this kind of division and war. How do you be a peacemaker? Certainly you can't be saying, and I don't know that Don is saying this or anybody, but you can't say that you can't do anything because it doesn't lead to peace, right? And you have to be dealing with what is truly going to bring about reconciliation somehow. That's really what peacemakers is. Peacemakers are people who strive to bring about reconciliation uh, and bring people together. That's the idea. So how does that apply or not apply to this kind of war, whether it be in Israel right now or just in general? You know, when we have even or even in other things where we have pretty serious divisions. And I think that that in our own country, this is a big role that we need to play where we have these kinds of divisions. In the last segment, we were talking about how a nation cannot stand. Um, a divided nation cannot stand. Um, Jesus said that. Lincoln stole it from Jesus, and uh, I'm stealing it from both of them today, that the divisions that we have that are based on moral issues um, are not going to be tolerable, ultimately. You can't have a society that you know, we can disagree on a lot and still have the same vision for the building of our country and freedom and hope uh, of democracy around the world. But you aren't going to see that last if we are divided over things that are based upon falsehoods or bad philosophies or things that uh, are not reconcilable because they are moral. How do you deal with that? How does being a peacemaker fit into this? 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Daniel in Calabasas, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, how are you doing, Pastor Scott? I'm good, Daniel. Yeah, so I just wanted to say, uh, you know, I was just listening to uh, what those protesters were saying before, and I just don't understand. I mean, like, uh, Israel got attacked, and you would think that the majority of the population would kind of feel sad and sorry for what happened in Israel, but it's like more people that are haters of either that religion or that country is just standing out and trying to attack them even more verbally, physically, and however it may be. Well, you know, there's a couple of different issues at play here. And, what you know, I think what we're seeing, and this is something that I have said since the beginning of this crisis, is that what we are seeing is who's who right? That that people have beliefs and they have ideas and they say things. So you have a lot of belief about um, the right thing to say. Um, you know, what would we do? And in, in sort of, you know, when something's not really happening, you can say it. And most people would say, no, I'm not anti-Semitic or I don't hate Jews. But when push comes to shove, you know, where are you at? Um, and I know, but it's like, it's just so weird. Like, as soon as something happens, then it's like the real truth comes out from people's mouths, you know? Yes. It's like if there's no attack, then no one would say anything, no one would uh, protest, and no one would do anything. It would just keep quiet or keep it on the down low. 
That's right. And what this is, is it's the, uh, it's the application of what has been taught now in the universities and even the school systems for a long time. There's, there's multiple different angles to this. And I, I don't want to lose anti-Semitism in this, but let's take that out for a second. Part of what's being taught is the hatred of democracy, the hatred of the West, hatred of Judeo-Christian values. All right, so part of what is being taught is anything that is anti-West or Western is going to be championed by groups of people who, since they've been little kids, have been taught that somehow uh, the West is bad or that Judeo-Christian ethics are actually causing the oppression. And the and so that is some of this. Some of this is an opportunity to say uh, – to come out and, and – say you're on that side of things. Now, I think some people would like to say that anti-Semitism has nothing to do with it. I think it has everything to do with it. In fact, I think it actually drives the the anti-capitalistic uh, side of this. So you have a bunch of people who are also opposed to capitalism, okay? And they're Marxist. A lot of the teachers are outspoken Marxist. I always feel funny saying that because I think we we spend so much time calling people communists or Marxists or fascists or whatever the word is of the day, whatever side you're on, right? And often that that name doesn't really fit what's being done. But in this case, it not only fits, but it fits because those professors and those teachers or those social activists say that they are Marxists and they they actually believe that they are doing what Marxism – and they are. They, they understand that Marxism, you have to attack the family. You have to attack anything that supports the structure of capitalism. You have to support anything that structures the – that is the support of, of God ultimately. And you have to put everybody – you have to get everybody pitted against each other, see? And the reason Marxism fails, Marxism is attractive because at the end of it, you're supposed to have this utopia, right, where everybody gets along and there are no power structures that are repressing anybody. But the reason that it always turns violent and murderous, Maoist China, you know, Hitler, uh, any any of these thugs that you want to go down the road, Stalin, is because – you're you are called you are called to make moral decisions about the family or about race or about other things that aren't true and that are intolerable and if you want to continue to pursue that point of view then violence is the only answer that's the scary part of it and so coming back to this the reason this is happening is because this is who many people have been raised to, raised to be they've never questioned you know what's going on over there and they've never questioned what they've been taught about capitalism, about Judaism, about uh, Jewish people or Israel or the United States or the West. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it does. I mean, and that's why I was just trying to understand why when it was like Russia versus Ukraine, when Ukraine got attacked, that nobody else spoke up and tried to protest. Yes, let's keep killing Ukrainians, you know, but that Israel got attacked. It's like, oh, no, let's just. Uh, attack them while they're down, you know? Yeah, Israel's a much bigger deal. And see, and that's, I think, part of the the truth about anti-Semitism is it's real. And I think it yeah. drives a lot more. You know, some people are trying to say it's not really about anti-Semitism. It's about uh, – somebody wrote me this weekend about that. And so that's really about anti-capitalism. But I would say that it's both, but the anti-Semitism should not be discounted. And, in fact, that probably is driving it more than anything else. Yeah, it's driving more. Yeah. 
All right, Daniel, thanks for calling the Pastor Scott Show, 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Albert and Downey, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, hey. Uh, I just wanted to say uh, a comment about what the first guy said when he said, blessed are the peacemakers. Yeah, blessed uh, are the peacemakers. What does that mean, and how do we how do we apply that? Yeah, well... I find it hard to make peace when one side is only calling for violence. So you actually have to have war in order to have peace. Right, and and that's part of the difficulty of this conversation, right, is that on the Israel side, it's in order to have peace, we have to make war. Um, and make and that's a terrible choice that has to be made in order to have peace with uh, Europe. Uh, there was, there were people who tried, you know, Chamberlain tried to negotiate with Hitler peace in our time. He said, uh, and that lasted what a day. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And I just wanted to also add, you know, um, I, I think that you can still be a peacemaker and at the same time, you know, be violent, you know, and, and what I mean by that is like being on the, on the right side, you know, fighting for, for the right cause, you know, and you still are a peacemaker. Yeah, it is a it's a tough thing, Albert. But uh, thank you for calling. I think, and I got to go to a break. I'll get to your calls here. Uh, the rest of you in a second here uh, after the break. Part of I think being a peacemaker is you have to remain truthful. And uh, what he just said is right. When the other side doesn't want peace and they state they don't want peace, that's the that's the crazy thing about people who are still talking two state solution today. That could be on the table again, but not with Hamas at the table or in existence. It won't ever be. And they've been offered to state uh, Palestinians for, what, five times officially. All they had to do was sign. It's not it. It's not even about land. It is It is something that is much uh, more cruel than that. It is about eliminating Jews. That's what the Hamas says. How do you negotiate with somebody who says they want to kill you? Do you say, we'll give you this much land and so you can kill us in five years? Would you would you kill us in five years if we give you a little extra land? Would you would you give us ten years? Would you stop trying to kill us for ten years if we give you this much land? Well, that doesn't make any sense. That's not peace. Um and that doesn't lead to peace. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven, eight 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 five two eight two five five seven, Pastor Scott Show. I'll be back as the Pastor Scott Show continues. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Pastor Scott Show podcast. Have any questions or comments? Email Pastor Scott now at pastorscott at kkla.com or tune in live weekdays from 3 to 5 p.m. Now, back to the show. Welcome back, everybody. Pastor Scott Show number is 888-528-2557. Talking about the idea of being a peacemaker and uh, how that applies to not just the Middle East situation in an opinion about maybe Israel and Hamas and the war going on, but I think you can apply that to the need for peacemaking here in our country when you see the protests that are going on and you know what's happening this weekend, and particularly with the anti-Semitism and the anti-Americanism that is a part of so much of it. Um, these are divisions that a nation cannot tolerate in the sense of, and I got to be careful about how I say that, uh, because then you end up in the, the problem the other way. What I mean by not tolerate is you can't ignore them. You can't say that it's okay to um, have a disagreement that is on moral values for how to conduct the nation. Otherwise, the nation cannot move forward. You lose the 
purpose of the nation. And that's something that we have seen in our country. Just uh, earlier this year, the Wall Street Journal and the University of Chicago, University of Chicago does some of the the best um, surveys around the world. In fact, most of the surveys that you read about, they're probably getting their research from the University of Chicago. Um, and that study came out and said that with the younger generation uh, over the past few years, um, certain values have declined dramatically. And here's what they are. Patriotism's gone down from 70% to 38%, just from 1998 to 2023. Uh, religious points of view, 62 to 39, the value of having religion. The having children, 59 to 30. You can't have a country, by the way, if you don't keep having kids. It ends the country uh, just because of math. Uh, community involvement, that went from 47% to 27% as a value. So the, the conversation is about value. And now only 27% of, the, of people uh, in this generation think that community involvement is something that we should value. The, in fact, the only value, American value, that went up is money it went from 31 to 43%, interestingly enough. Uh, this isn't just happening naturally. This is being taught. This is something, you know, this, anti-Semitism, racism in general, these things are taught. These things aren't just sort of picked up on. These things are taught. They become part of um, subcultures of conversation, whether it be in the family it can be, but it's uh, in this case we're talking about the educational system. This is where that comes from. And all these kids coming out saying things that aren't even remotely accurate historically or in other ways, uh, they're doing that because they have been taught this. They didn't look it up. 888-528-2557 is the number. So when it comes to being a peacemaker, somebody, a caller suggested that, what does that look like? A peacemaker being somebody who reconciles people. How do we do that? 888-528-2557. Tim in North Hollywood, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hey, Pastor Scott. Thanks for taking my call. You're welcome, Tim. Welcome. Uh, yeah, so uh, I, uh, my opinion, I, I'm along your lines with uh, you need a line of truth, um, and you have to have an understanding of truth to uh, be able to engage. And so one of the, you know, one of the things I guess I would look to is Scripture, um, being a believer, and, you know, uh, I guess a way to um, maintain peace is to be steadfast, right? To be, um, to maintain uh, those truths. Um, and so uh, I think that engaging people that are in your periphery, I mean, it's, it's, uh, um, I find that if you open up a door for truth, um, with people that are close to you, um, most dialogue is very shallow. So if you're a Christian, um, your history goes back to the Jewish faith, to the Christian faith, and then to today. So you have a, a very long line of truth that has been fought for, died for, paid for by blood. And so uh, I, I think that there are some long arguments that people really can't engage in, um, on, but you have to stand. You have to be you have, able to. You want have to, to stand speak. in the truth, right? And the the, right. the key to any reconciliation, even if it's just between two people, is both have to be seeking what is actually true, because what's right. actually true brings reality into the picture. 
it allows people to repent. You know, it allows people to know what to repent of, right? It, right. It, and those things restore relationships. And repentance can be, you know, a nation can repent. A educational system can repent. And the way you do that is you go to truth. You know, what is true? Right. Or if it's ambiguous or we're not sure, then you create a system where truth can be debated. And, and debated in a way that is meant to seek out the truth. Um, that is what we are lacking because what is happening today is that new truths, old truths are being considered social constructs and not truths. And so we should be able to construct new truths. Um, out, and that's what is being taught in so much of our critical theory and other stuff. And it doesn't work. It's not real. And, and we'll never and get there agree. because of that. It needs. I mean, we have a First Amendment for a reason, because we, we need to be open for discussion. Yes. Um, just one other point I, I kind of wanted to make is um, if there is a ceasefire, as many are, are um, proposing, um, and if Israel were to stop, um, what is the logical conclusion that Hamas will do? I mean, are they thinking about that at all? Like... Did they they think Hamas built those underground tunnels and fired those rockets and did what they did because they just, you know, want a piece of land? No, they I think if you look at what what would happen if Israel just put up a white flag and said, you know what, we want to be friends, they would be decimated. And I'm not sure people are I don't even know how people can. um, I think that uh, I think that part of the truth that's required here. And, uh, and thank you for your call, Tim, is that you have to recognize what Hamas is. And the way to do that is just to read what they say they are. Um, that's why I always encourage people to read the Hamas charter. Just Google it. You can read it. It doesn't take very long. You know, it's a few pages, but it's very detailed about the culture they want, why they're doing this, why they're raising kids, what the education system should be. And all of it, 100 percent of it is about hating and killing Jews. Like openly, that's what it says. And if you cannot acknowledge that. Like a lot of these protesters, they're talking about land rights and they're talking about, you know, freedom fighters and oppression and all of this. The problem is, is that it's Hamas that's doing the oppressing right now for the last 15 years. Um, It's the problem is, is that they don't care about two state solutions. In fact, they say they're against it completely. You know, when you and for people, I was hearing Bernie Sanders today, uh, Senator Sanders, talk about how we need to get back on the two-state solution page. Like, well, eventually, but right, but if you can't acknowledge that Hamas, Hezbollah, and the Iranians have no intention of a two-state solution ever because they don't want the state of Israel, period. If you cannot just state that clearly, you are ignoring what they say about themselves and you're not living in the truth. And then everything else that you're talking about is coming from you know, left, far left teaching in Western universities that's not even remotely related to what's actually true uh, on the ground. And if you're not going to have reconciliation unless you can do that. 888-528-2557. Just a couple minutes left here. Julie in West Hills, welcome to the Pastor Scott Show. Hi, Pastor Scott. Thanks for taking my call. Hi, Julie. Um, I'm really disturbed about something that I need a pastor's comment on, and that is, I was devastated, you know, what what happened in Israel, like everybody is. But the Sunday after it happened, the next day, I was 
wanting my pastor and our church to acknowledge it and offer, you know, a prayer for Israel and maybe even say some words about it. But our our church, and it's a huge one here in Porter Ranch, didn't mention it or didn't pray for Israel or anything. And the other church... Have they done it know, since then, or was it just that first weekend? No, they, they haven't since then. And, you know, Jack Hibbs and everybody that I listen to, Alan Jackson, all these people suspended their sermon they had for that day to really talk about it and talk about, you know, what what the history is with Israel. Yeah. But I was I was almost at the point where I wanted to leave, but I didn't want to be yeah. disruptive. But well, I, what I would say you know, is, and Julie, I'm almost out of time here, is is don't don't do that. But take a moment to write your pastor or your leadership or somebody and just ask them, you know, what is our approach to this in our church? And maybe there's something that you missed. You know, maybe they want to do it in a different way. Sometimes churches feel like big events in the news they don't want to bring into their services, but they do bring it to the prayer meeting or other places. So, you know, before you get too down on your church, find out kind of where they stand and what their thought is about this, because that I think will probably help you. So that's the very first thing to do. And and different churches are going to handle it different ways, and each leadership team is going to make those decisions about that. But it's the best thing to do is to ask how that went. Okay, we're out of time here, uh, Frank and others. I won't get to your your calls here. Pastor Scott Show, you can follow me on social media, X, Twitter, Instagram, at Pastor Scott Show. You can get the podcast by looking for the Pastor Scott Show. Click subscribe and never miss a show. We'll be back with Hour 2 in a moment. Stay tuned.